What's up, Cal family? It's 8.30 a.m., and I'm back. Because I watched that game last night. And I don't know, if you're like me, you're probably a little hype. Right? It's nice to see a win. So I figured I'd jump in while I'm still feeling it, while it's still fresh in my mind. And, uh, and talk about it and give some uh, updates. Now, I only caught the second half. For the life of me, like, why can't we just play at, like, a time of day that is just, like, easily anticipated and, like, memorable? Because four just threw me off. I don't know. Whatever. I caught the second half. Um, and I'm glad I did. First of all, it's always in- interesting to see Mike Montgomery do the... Uh, the color, because obviously he coached there and he coached with Madsen. Uh, but he also talks like a coach. <laughs> I can almost hear him getting mad at certain plays. <laughs> when there was a turnover or something and he was like, oh, it's two, you know, two passes. I, I, he talks like he was trying to coach the players, which I think is really interesting. Um, he also used some like... <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm going to get into like what the, actually happened to the game, but... If anyone else was watching on TV, there was a point where, like, the topic of, like, you need some dogs on your team. You need some guys who are going to go hard. Maybe it's about uh, Keontae Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> and Montgomery goes, like, yeah, you need some dogs. You need some do- dogs. And I was like, did he just change his whole vernacular? To- <laughs> like, I, like, there's a lot of NBA coaches that talk like that. I mean, you spend enough time around People who talk a certain way, it's going to get into your, like, Mike Malone. I mean, is it Mike Malone? I don't know. Uh, some of these coaches be sounding like, you know, like, shit, you grew up in a rougher hood than me, bro. And that's probably, it could be true. Uh, that is not the point of this. I just thought the do- dogs, I thought that was really funny. Um, but, yeah, so I caught the second half. And, first of all, I mean, I guess it was a Saturday game. Relatively good attendance. I got to give it to y'all. I mean, I can't tell from the screen, but hey, we've had two in five years before where immediately the arena cleared out. I didn't get that vibe. I'm not getting that vibe from you guys in general. It seems like people are locked in. That's number one. Number two, this is my first thought when I clicked this game on and it started playing. I had, man, I want to make sure I get everyone's names right. Jalen Tyson. I had him all wrong. Not in terms of him being a good player and and someone, you know, all that. But I saw him in the scrimmage first in warm-ups. And if you watch this dude in warm-ups, he looks like Marquise Cately. Like, just flying. Powerful. When you watch him play, he looks a lot more like Joe Shipp. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, Pac-10 Player of the Year candidate, Joe Ship. That one. Yeah, like, like, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm a biased because he's black. They're both light-skinned. They both have, like, the smooth hair and whatnot. Like, good-looking dudes, whatever. But I actually felt like I was watching Joe Ship on the screen last night. His quick trigger on the shot. I mean, there was one in the corner in the second half. He missed it. Uh, and he had just made one. But he caught it high, like near his face, and just put it straight up. That's something you don't see a lot. I remember Joe having a really quick trigger like that. 
He cuts to the basket. First of all, our whole team cuts to the basket with awesome timing. I mean, really, really, really. And Tyson, I have to put into like the top, like top of the class on that. With or without the ball, he finds a way to get to the basket. And what was really interesting about last night, why, you know, I think there were more players with more stats or whatever, but why he stood out to me last night is because I have this kind of rule in my head, and I think I mentioned this in the book, but like in college basketball, you, I call it eight, eight for eight. Like if you're outside of eight points with eight minutes to go, you have a really low chance to win the game. And if you do get inside that, now it's time for the stars on either team to make something happen. And Santa Clara got to six with like 7.30 left, and I was like, oh, dang, they broke eight. Let's see. And to me, there were a couple plays. Like, this is like what pro-level stuff looks like. Or, I mean, maybe just really high-level college. But it's going to be a one-on-one situation, and we need a basket. And there was one play. I mean, I don't remember how it's set up, but uh, Dawes had was on maybe the strong side block, and it cleared out. This is facing the camera, so in front of our bench. Uh, he was on the block, and it was like, Kind of in the way. And Tyson was driving toward him. And Amac took like one little baby step out, which took his defender. And then Tyson did a spin move. And the lane was so wide open because other guys were hitting threes. They had to respect it. That's why this game stood out to me for him. What does he look like with a somewhat pro-looking lane? Because that's what he got last night when we are making shots. And that play is indicative of a guy who can take over when everything's functioning well. I loved it. Joe Ship. Man. So then we got to get to Jalen Cohn. I don't know. I, how many threes has he hit the last couple games? Like infinity? <laughs> Talk about shooting with confidence. But shooting with timing. There's a quote I've, I've always loved from a... Connor McGregor. Yeah, Connor McGregor, I know. And I apply it to like almost all walks of life. Uh, timing beats speed and precision beats power. Jalen Cohn's offensive game reminds me of that quote. I mean, not that he's not fast or powerful in his own right. His timing on his releases, his his decision-making on even when to shoot, when to put himself in a position to shoot, right? We still have a big man down there who needs the ball. You can't just keep running guards towards his direction. So they don't. I said in, one, in an earlier uh, podcast that I like the Cal offense and that, to me, it was the defense. Um, and I think as the guys are getting more comfortable, more guys are coming back, you're seeing this offense look really good. And I have to give Jalen Cohn credit for what that looks like. Because, again, when you're the smallest guy on the, co- on the court and you're a scorer, think Isaiah Thomas. Uh, Isaiah Thomas. Both Isaiah Thomases, maybe. They need to have the ball a lot. Moving without the ball as a really small guy is much more difficult. Because you can't really rely on back doors. You probably get blocked. Um, 
And also, if you have, a, again, a big man down there like Dawes, you don't want to continually send another small guy down near him. Right? So with all these factors, and again, I'm not, I'm not doing a, a play-by-play, you know, I'm just kind of recounting this from my mind. With all these factors in play, Jalen Cohn not only manages to get to open spots with great timing, with just enough space, like precision, man alive. Now, mind you, he's making them. But he made them. I, who am I to say, like, if he does that every game, which is impossible, obviously, to shoot 75% on eight threes every game, but if he shoots 35% doing that, That's good. If he can do 40 to 45%, now you're going to see these Jalen Tyson plays that look unbelievable. You're going to see these Dawes post-ups where they don't send a, a, a double team. How can they, right? Like, a lot of the, I mean, I guess I know how, but I'm not going to say that on here because I'm not giving away secrets, not to the enemies. But as they're currently playing it, well, as soon as they run a guy down off the ball, Dawes is going to kick it right back. If they run a guy from the baseline, we have been adept at cutting that man or cutting an appropriate man and filling. That is high-level, high-IQ basketball our team is playing. I want to make that clear. Which brings me to Dawes. Because he's the linchpin of a lot of it. Now, granted, we're the same age, so I hope he's learned this by now. I'm just kidding. It's just a really fun. I was so young in college. Like, I would have had to play two, two like times to be as old as him as like a senior, but that doesn't matter. That's pro level offensive understanding. Timing, passing. Uh, I want to say last night's game was a low turnover game. Now, I didn't feel like Santa Clara was the best pressure defensive team, but so what? Was Tulane? I don't know. Was, <laughs> was Pacific? I don't know. I don't think so. So what was different yesterday. Everything felt like it was moving better. And again, this is, this is why I said, I said in the last podcast, you know, we're one and five, two and five, whatever. It doesn't matter to me because we haven't looked bad. We just haven't won. Things have looked bad, sure, but we haven't looked bad. And how easily certain things can turn a tide. Well, I'll tell you this. If we're bigger or more athletic than the team we're playing, it seems like we have an excellent chance to dominate them offensively. Just point blank, period. I saw in the comments, some people were like, oh, are we, off? Like, are we even that athletic? Yes, bro. Like, such a weird thing because I think as a fan – Everything is the eye test, right? And the eye test says this looks slow, this looks unathletic, A, B, C, and D. But a lot of athleticism comes with clarity. Like the matrix, right? The matrix. Yeah, I'm coming up. This off the top of the dome. I've never made this uh, analogy before, so if it sucks, just sue me. But when Neo gets brought into the, into the simulation and he's supposed to jump across the buildings, when he first does it, there's that hesitation, 
And there's a second time he does it where you get the idea that he's still not sure he's going to do it, so he doesn't go very far. In your own life, if you go to just jump as high as you can, you'll jump a lot higher than if someone says, wait, right before you jump. I'm saying that to say, like, every athletic decision that's made on the basketball court starts with the clarity of, of what I'm supposed to be doing. So if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing on defense, you don't believe in it, or it's difficult, it's confusing, you're catching up, whatever, you might look way less athletic. It goes for offense, too. In fact, this is something that, you know, I think Jalen Tyson will keep getting better at as he gets older, but for how athletic that man is, he tends to finish below the rim a lot. That has nothing to do with him being able to finish above the rim. It has to do with him negotiating a lot of different choices and taking the safest option at the end, which is, you know, leaves him open to, uh, by not giving a full jump, leaves him open. But you see pros who make that choice instinctively right away, like, I don't care about the other choices. I'm going to jump. And those guys look more athletic than guys who don't play that way. It might sound confusing, but, you know, it's, maybe this is high concept. I just, I just didn't like in the, in the comments of the podcast that people were saying, like doubting the athleticism of the team, which I not only have not doubted at all, I actually really believe in. I thought Kennedy looked great. Now, he's someone who dunked on somebody. <laughs> oh, my God, perfect. Yeah, like that's how segues work. With a broken hand or whatever's on his hand. Again, and also you can tell these guys like each other. I want to make that clear. Kennedy didn't just come back. He came back to a team full of people who wanted to see him there. That's hard to achieve in college basketball. Kind of because everybody, like, you're kind of taught to hate each other. Now, maybe Madsen's not doing that, but you really are. You're taught that, like, your first competition is the man right in front of you. So when you see a group of guys who legitimately are excited for one another, that's a special thing. I'd mentioned at the scrimmage, uh, the big dude got a rebound over Jalen Cohn and, like, screamed. First, first of all, shouts to him. He's a screaming rebounder. He does it a lot, and I love it. Uh, but second, what if the whole team is screaming rebounders, so to speak? That when the energy hits them, it's infectious. Like, again, I watched a seemingly decent crowd at Haas Pavilion get very excited because of those dudes' energy. So, what's my, like, final takeaway from the game? Well, I understand that Santa Clara was missing a guy. Maybe it would have been a closer game. I still feel like with that, those factors, we still would have won. I do still think our defense is going to be a big issue. When Santa Clara did cut it from 14 to 6, they got within that 8 for 8 that I mentioned earlier. It was on the exact same things I've been saying every team is going to do to us now. Santa Clara was just worse at it. Uh, worse at it. They didn't make shots. Uh, I don't see a lot of the pack 12 schools uh, letting that stuff go because you just have more familiarity with uh, the teams in your conference. You play them twice, scout harder, etc. 
And also, I just think the level of guard play in the Pac-10 at the, at the, on the higher level is high enough to negotiate that. And when, I, when I say negotiate, I skipped ahead a little bit, but essentially we keep doing a pick-and-roll defense where Dawes drops back 5 to 10 feet, depending on where he started. And the guard either tries to get all the way under, which is not happening as often, but when that does happen, the opposing point guard has an option to shoot right there behind the three. <clears throat> or yesterday in the second half, I saw a lot of, uh, and we used to do this in Korea a lot, uh, the guard goes over the top following the uh, guy with the ball. So now he's behind him. And what you get in this situation for a, a highly trained uh, ball handler is you lock this guy in behind you. You slow your dribble down almost like a crab dribble and box him out behind you so you give your big man time to, to get to wherever he's trying to get to, either pop out or cut to the basket. And as soon as that guy starts moving, now you go. You have a, you have a completely uh, out-of-the-picture defender behind you and a two-on-one. And running that is when Santa Clara uh, caught up, started to catch up. And again, they're not that good at it, but other teams will be. So, you know, my suggestion was zone. Maybe we'll never play zone. Maybe it slows our offense down, which is, you know, part of the calculation. There's a lot of things that I'm not the head coach that I don't have to consider. But everyone in the building, everyone at the University of California who cares about basketball is going to have to consider what I just said. Because that pick and roll, which, by the way, they only run, like, eight games, 95% of the pick and rolls run through Dawes. In fact, when he's off the floor... The other team runs like motion offenses or post-ups or I don't know, part, part of the reason because he's going to block shots. But it is like exclusively put that man in a pick and roll because Cal hasn't figured out really how to defend it yet. Uh, and I don't even want to end on that negativity, so I'll end with more positivity. Because uh, that's not even negative. That's just, you know what, I don't even want to call it negative. Let me stay on that for a second. Negativity would be, would be me saying, I hate this about us. It's never going to change, da, da 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 No, no, no. I'm saying that as far as I see it, a zone is the quickest and or best answer. But maybe they're working on something. They could be cooking something up. Something up. I mentioned before, um, now mind you, these were like championship-level teams where we started the season with good records. But, you know, I played on teams where we, we would put in like a crazy, like, I don't even know, like a 1-3-1 one, one full court trap zone. But we wouldn't even put it in until like the finals. Like the whole season, the whole playoffs, no one would see it and we'd save it for just that moment. And it would always work because no one had scouted it even a day. Teams were too tired to catch up and figure out what we were doing. We could throw it in and out of a game. It was great. That's some high level strategy right there. I'm only saying that story to say, I am not in a position to say what Cal's strategy is overall. I'm only in a position to say what I see and what could work and what isn't working. And there's nothing negative about that. Because I, again, I got up at 8. Wasn't even planning on recording it today. But I did it because I'm excited. And that's positivity. What else is positive is, you know, as I close this out, I was in Berkeley this, uh, this week. Uh, didn't stay for the game. Because, again, broke boys go home. But <laughs> I did get to uh, 
through the house fund meet uh, Alex Morgan. And Oski was there. And I got to de deliver her a painting. Um, and I'll just say to you guys what I said to her, which is that, you know, I was first made aware of Alex Morgan in 2011. Now, obviously, she was at Cal before then and maybe even crossed some time with me. But uh, as a basketball player who then went overseas and all that, it's hard to keep track, like, in those first couple years of non-basketball players. But in 2011, the World Cup is on, and I'm downtown L.A. watching it with a bunch of people she doesn't know, a bunch of people you all don't know. And as she was doing her thing, I'm pointing at the screen like, ah, look, ah, <laughs> we, ah, we all went to, it's the, I know her kind of. <laughs> and I said, like, you and I have never met Alex, but we have, right? We went to Cal. Cal's like one of the few schools, if any, where I think people really choose the university. Now, obviously, some people just come because they want to be at the number one rated school, but especially when I went there, it was like a choice. Like, oh, you're going to Berkeley. And we're all sitting here now, if you're still listening to this, it's people who said, yes. <laughs> yes, I am. And that binds us. And I think she liked the painting, and, you know, I got to meet, you know, her husband, whose name I'd rather not try to pronounce, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who's also lovely, like what emotionally like gifted people also. Um, but I'm ending with that story to say like, A, a bunch of cow people who never met got together and it was just magic. And that's the energy I've been missing and I wish it wasn't such a secluded event, but I, you know, not everything is uh, open to 10,000 people, but keep that same energy. The same energy that kind of showed up for a two and five team. Posts about it, talked about it. You think we were five and two the way people were hyped. Because we're feeling things start to change. All right, I'm out.